Advent, um, we'd like to make a couple of announcements for you. First of all, happy birthday to Lynn and Lee Wright this week. And um, then a reminder that there are a, uh, there can be CDs available to you for um, listening to of the entire service. All you have to do is call the office and ask for one to be made for you. And finally, I would just like to remind or, or let everybody know that um, tonight at 8 p.m. on YouTube, there is going to be a Christmas special of The Chosen. If you have not seen The Chosen or heard about it, it's something you should look up. It's a filming of the life of Jesus Christ, and it's an excellent production. It's an ongoing uh, thing working in its second uh, season, and they're having a Christmas special with a bunch of Christian artists, King and Country, Mandisa, um, Chris Tomlin. So at 8 o'clock tonight on YouTube, you can catch that. All right. I have a couple announcements sure. too. Um, the men's uh, recycling out there. Um, the Kennedys were nice enough to take it all in this week, and we got $515. So thank you for everybody that donated to recycling, and we will continue to do that. Also, I want to thank everybody that was involved with the drive-by Santa um, on Friday night. It was a wonderful success. We had uh, over 50 kids and over 30 cars, and one of those best parts of it is we didn't know most of the people. So it wasn't parishioners, it was the community. So thanks to, to the Ruchowskis, the Bars, the Barnetts, and of course Debbie. And it was a wonderful success, so thank you. Celebrating the light of Christ among us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Let us pray. Spirit of God, we give you thanks for drawing near, for touching the world in the Savior's birth. Help us draw near to you as we prepare our hearts and our world for the justice and peace you bring. Guide our preparations for Christmas as we share the good news with those who suffer and we offer our friendship to those who are alone. 
move within our hearts so we make a way for your coming by forgiving others as we have been forgiven. Come, Spirit of God, be born in us anew, that we may live in your mercy and grace. Amen. We light this candle in hope. We light this candle in peace. We light this candle in joy. Rejoice, for the Lord is coming into the darkness of oppression's exile to lead us home, as here in Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like a crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstoppable. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speeches singeth for song. 
for water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, and the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Let us pray. O Lord, our Redeemer, you lead us from lavishings into sorrow shadows, into laughter joy over your abundant restoration. Thank you that you are coming for us to lead us home along your way, Jesus Christ.
And now may we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. And now we will hear hymn 242, Love Came Down at Christmas. And the high priests, 
Annas and Caiaphas, talks about all those people and their politically important positions. But yet the next line says something so important that we sometimes miss it. It says, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. God's word didn't come to all those important people. God came to a man wandering in the wilderness, the son of a priest. So I think Luke was trying to tell us something there. And I just want to point that out. The word of God doesn't always come to the powerful. It comes to people just like us. And so we need to keep our ears open every day of the year, not just at Christmas, to hear what God has to say to us. Because he speaks to who he knows are the important ones, the small ones, ones who can make a difference. So I'm done with that now. But I just thought I would say that this morning. It just came to me, and I, I thought I should share it. This morning, we'll continue with our series based on Matt Raleigh's book, The Gift of the Nutcracker. I give thanks to all of you who have turned tuned in to YouTube to watch or to the podcast to listen. Last week, we focused on the character of Clara's godfather, Drosselmeyer. And this week, we're going to take a look at another less savory character from our story, the Mouse King, in our message called Mountains and Molehills. Have you ever thought about how our perspective of the physical world changes throughout our lifetime? For example, when I was a kid, I thought our live Christmas trees that we used to have were gigantic. They were usually only eight feet or so tall. I know that now. But in my child's eye, they seemed as tall as a 20 or 30 foot Christmas tree seems to me now. Yesterday, I was at Hillcrest Hospital for an appointment and I walked into the atrium to look at the beautiful Christmas tree they had in there. And it truly was gigantic, about 30 feet tall. <laughs> And it dwarfed little old me, who was the only person in the atrium right then. So the atrium itself dwarfs me. And I remember thinking at that same time, not only was that tree so tall, just like when I was a child, but I thought about my mom and how tall I thought my mother was when I was a little kid. <laughs> in reality, my mom is barely 5'4" and I look down at the top of her head now. My dad seemed even taller. I remember riding around on his shoulders as a child when we went hiking, and I would hold on so tightly with my legs because it seemed like a mile to the ground. Now, to be fair, my dad is quite a bit taller than my mom. He's about 6'2", but nothing like the height I imagined way back then. My perception of time was different then, too. When I was a kid, I distinctly remember thinking during summer vacations that the days lasted forever. I had time.
time to do a million things between my breakfast cereal and my goodnight kiss from my mom. Today, it seems that I lose half the day if I have to go to the grocery store or, or doctor's appointment. Mom always told me that time would speed up as I got older. And I didn't believe it then. I thought she was crazy. Time doesn't speed up. Time is just time. But I am discovering that she was telling the truth. I never have enough time to do what I intend to get done on any given day. And it seems as if I'm always borrowing time from tomorrow to do what I need to do today. I have also observed that my perspective on the relative importance of certain life events has changed as I have gotten older. In Finley, where I'm from, Back in the day, you attended junior high school from 7th grade through 9th grade. You didn't go to the high school until 10th grade. Um, and at that time, there were three junior high schools in town that fed into one very large high school. Uh, so when you got to the high school as a sophomore, you probably didn't know about two-thirds of the students unless you knew some of them from through church or through family connections or community sports. And this was the case for me. I only knew my friends from Donnell Junior High when I got to Finley High. However, my friend circle grew quickly through connections in band, orchestra, choir, and drama club. And my circle of friends got bigger pretty quickly. Now every year since I had started junior high school, I had a big birthday bash at my house. Boys and girls were invited, invited from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. And then a slumber party followed for the girls. God bless my parents who kicked all the boys out at 11. And I was so excited this year for my party because I looked forward to having all of my old friends from Donnell along with my new ones from high school over for the party. Well, after all the invitations had gone out, one of my new best friends, Katie, called to tell me she couldn't come to the party. When I asked her why, she said it was because I had invited Kevin. Now, Kevin was one of my old friends from Donnell. Katie's family had known Kevin's family from their church for many years, and that church would eventually become my church. But that's another story for another time. Katie's dad, didn't approve of Kevin because he considered him a troublemaker. And to be fair, Kevin could be ornery, but he had always behaved himself at my house and my parents would be there. Anyway, Katie told me that she could only come if I uninvited Kevin. I was totally devastated by this dilemma. I cried and cried over it and moped around for days. I didn't feel like eating. I lost five pounds. I saw no way to reconcile what I perceived as total unfairness on the part of Katie's father. I later discovered that Katie was the one who didn't want Kevin there, but I didn't know that at the time. And I'm not sure it would have mattered anyway. Two weeks, the two weeks leading up to the party were miserable for me because I felt a loyalty to my old friend, but really wanted my new friend to be there to enjoy the fun 
with me too. I begged and cajoled Katie and even talked to Kevin, asking him what he'd done to upset Katie's family so much. He just laughed and said that he had played some kind of practical joke on Katie at vacation Bible school years earlier. And as it turned out, I didn't end up doing anything about the situation. And they both ended up coming to the party. Katie came later after Kevin had left. Today, all that angst over who would come to a birthday party seems really silly to me. Stupid even. Today, I'm sure I would be disappointed that two of my friends didn't get along, but I wouldn't lose sleep over it. I definitely wouldn't stop eating over it. I would invite all my friends and let the chips fall where they may. Come to the party or don't come. But I can't choose my friends based on who they like. My friends are the people I like. Perspective definitely changes things. Our perspective can make problems seem bigger or smaller than they really are. So during worship, Christ offers us a new perspective on life. We enter the sanctuary with a particular worldview that affects how we see things. Everybody does have a worldview. And during worship, the visuals, the liturgy, the prayers, the reading of the word, and the music, they all help to tell Christ's story. And all of these influences work together, hopefully, to appropriately frame the birth of Jesus and the importance of that event to the world. It's easier for us to see the world the way Christ sees it during the Christmas holidays, I think partly because we not only experience the story at church, but we hear some of the same music on the radio, at work, and in department stores, and we see images of the story of Christ all around us. But what about the rest of the year? The story that seems so close and important at Christmas seems so far away by March. A couple of years ago, I was standing in line at the grocery store on a Saturday morning during the holidays. The line was very long, and I was standing in front of a woman with an overloaded grocery cart, having a very heated we'll say heated, conversation with someone whom I assume was her ex-husband. I was trying very hard not to listen, but finally I gave up because the volume kept rising until everyone within a 20-foot radius could hear. Based only upon her side of the conversation, I gathered they were having a dispute over where their three preteen and teenage children we're going to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. She was having her whole family over, she said, and how would it look if the kids were there with their dad instead of at home with her? He must have said something about their other grandmother wanting to see them too, which sent the woman off on a tangent about how his mother hadn't seemed so eager to come over to see the kids when they were still together, and what about all those Christmas Eves when he had worked instead of spending time at home with the family? Now he wanted to see them? The whole thing was painful to listen to. And the anger simmering under the surface of her words was palpable to everyone in the vicinity, I'm sure. 
formal couple, former couple, really bickering about where their kids would spend Christmas? Or was this another skirmish in a battle that had begun years before, spurred on by misunderstandings, jealousies, and petty grievances that had destroyed not only their relationship, but the whole family unit? I vote for the latter because from an outsider's point of view, the solution seemed really easy. I would have voted for mom having them one of the days and dad having them the other day. Unfortunately for this family, all out war had become the currency. Compromise apparently had no place in their winner take all mindset. This couple's long list of grievances had truly turned a molehill into a mountain that was insurmountable for them. And the ones who would pay the price would ultimately be their three children. A couple of years ago, there was a big controversy over the war on Christmas. Remember that? I think it's still going on. One of the supposed battles was whether people could say Merry Christmas or whether they had to say Happy Holidays. First of all, I would say that in our private lives, we can shout Merry Christmas from the rooftops if we like. No one can stop us, unless we're breaking a noise ordinance of some, of some sort. People have really missed the point that saying Merry Christmas is an offering of peace, love, and grace. There is nothing overtly Christian about the offer of those things. It happens to be a part of our Christian story, but the offering is something that everyone needs. If we say happy holidays, we are also offering peace, love, and grace. Evangelism, offering our story, is not the same thing as apologetics, which is defending our faith. Saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays is offering our story. It is offering Christ in a small way. We can always offer. It is up to the other whether they receive. I understand why private companies and public services don't use Merry Christmas. They serve people of all religions and no religion. And we live in a culture of easy offense. If Christians get all offended when businesses don't say Merry Christmas and say Happy Holidays instead, we just feed that spirit of offense. We begin practicing apologetics instead of evangelism. Merry Christmas is a gift I will continue to offer in my private life to everyone I meet. Most people will not be offended. And if someone says Happy Hanukkah or Happy Kwanzaa or Happy Holidays to me, I won't be offended. I'll smile and either return the greeting or just say thank you. Who am I to turn down a blessing regardless of the words used to offer it? Seems to me that if we are relying on coffee shops, department stores, and public utilities to be our evangelists, 
we have more trouble than a simple Merry Christmas can cure. Maybe there's a little of the Mouse King living inside all of us. The Mouse King is itching for a battle when a battle is really not what is needed. We are good at making mountains out of molehills. Now, a mouse doesn't seem like much of a menace, cartoons with frightened elephants aside. And however, a mouse that is eight feet tall towering over you while brandishing a sword is a different matter altogether. Of course, the Mouse King is part of Clara's imagination, who lives in her dream world. But he's no less real to her while she was sleeping. The Mouse King represented the evil over which Clara had no control in her waking life. She was unable to keep her brother Fritz from breaking her new Nutcracker toy. In her dreams, Fritz morphed into a much more formidable foe than her rambunctious little brother could ever be. Sometimes the issues and problems that we confront in the waking world only have the power over us that we allow them to have. Do we let evil control us and callous, or do we put it into perspective and work to do something to nip it in the bud and keep it small? Satan only has the power that we allow him to have. It's much like King Herod and his reaction to hearing about the birth of Jesus. He loved his power, position, and influence so much that when he heard about the birth of a new king over Israel, he imagined political overthrow, bloodshed, and possibly an end to his life. As a result, Herod was filled with great anxiety and fear, and even rage, which caused him to overreact and cause great harm to the people of Bethlehem. Thankfully, Christ helps put our fears and anxieties into perspective. Good news of great joy came to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus, but because the message was brought by angels, they were petrified and cowered against the brightness. But the angel announced, fear not. The angel could say this because with Christ in our world, there is nothing we need to fear. Christ was born so that death would no longer have the final word over us. We continue to tell the good news because if the story ends with everlasting life, in the presence of God's glory, there is truly nothing we need to fear. Thank you for the good news that is ours in Jesus Christ. That because of this sacrifice, we have the promise of abundant life here and now, and the hope of eternal life to come. May this good news be like a brilliant light shining in the darkness, dispelling any anxiety, fear, or sadness that would threaten to rob me of your joy. Amen.
Sunday in Advent. We have lit the candle of joy. May our giving of our tithes and offering today also be joyful. We appreciate the way you consistently give by mail, in person during office hours, and through our online giving option. Thank you so much. Now let's pray and join. Compassionate Father, thank you that you are our strength and our song. You fill our hearts with joy. May we give our offerings to you with gladness and with joy. Everything we have belongs to you, and we rejoice to give some of your abundant gifts back to you. Bless the tithes and the offerings we give today. Let the majesty of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that empowers us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Share joy by seeing the good in each other. 
Share joy by remembering good times and hoping for good times to come. Share joy by praying for our world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share joy. So as you go out into the wonder of God's creations, share joy, peace, and hope with all you need. Amen.